You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I just really felt impressed to honor, uh, just to honor this day with men. And I want to tell you something, men. I honor you for being here. Our world is so broken. And it's broken because of lack of, partly, mostly, because of a lack of good fathering. And that's not there because their fathers weren't there to do it. And their fathers weren't there to do it. And homes are broken. And situations are broken. And marriages are broken. And there's zero condemnation with any of that. It's just the reality of the world that we live in. And even people that grew up in good homes, they still dealt with some kind of brokenness because people, even after you get saved, you still got to get your mind right. And that takes the rest of your life just to get your mind right. It's a process. But I honor you men for being here. I'm going to tell you something. And I'm only saying this just, there's zero condemnation at all. But it's just the reality of, of where we live and what's going on in the earth. Because it's not just an American thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a worldwide thing. Father's Day is the, usually, although we have a pretty good group here today, it's usually on the very low end of attendance in churches. On the contrary, Mother's Day is on the very high end of attendance, statistically. I'm not talking about here. I'm just talking about in, in America, for sure, statistically, that's what's, what the statistics show out. And that's not that's not to condemn anyone that's not here. I know some some men that are had things going on with family and they couldn't be here. It's fine. There's no condemnation. I'm not trying to say so you should be in church, but but men should be in church as a whole. They should be the ones leading their families into church. And there's probably a thousand reasons why. They, they are hurt, they're broken, they've been hurt in church, they've been abused, they've been, whatever. That's kept them from taking their families and leading them. But there is, a, there is a spirit of fear, and there's a spirit of, probably spirit of fear is the best way to put it, that has been on men for so long to keep them from leading their families. And I can't really explain it to you other than to tell you that the enemy's behind it. Because what happens when men step up, and again, I applaud you men for being here, being here. And there's several that aren't here today that just, they were going on vacation or whatever. And so again, it's not to point anybody out, but it's just the reality of what we're living in. And we see all the trouble that's in this world and in our country, and largely it's because of fatherlessness. And actually the statistics show when you look at different, different demographics that are in in America and, and certain, you know, the inner cities and different things like that, the reason that there's so much drug problems and and, uh, and violence and things like that it is they directly related much of it to fathers not being in the homes. And so there's been this real absence of fathers, and I can't explain it to you other than it's the enemy. It's not God, obviously. And it's just been messed up for a long time. But you guys, you guys are cycle breakers. You're cycle breakers. You break the cycle of, of just being passionless about what's important 
but you're passionate about what is important, which is Jesus, taking care of your family, doing things that are right. And it's not about sitting on a, a, a Sunday morning every Sunday. And that's not what I'm trying to say, although that is a good thing because we have powerful stuff that goes on here all the time. I, I don't even want to miss. Years ago, I used to want to miss. And then someone said, you know, if you don't want to go to your own church and you're the pastor, you need to do something different. And I'm like, Lord, I need to change something here. So I love, I love being here. I love what God does here. It's awesome. But it's about taking the leadership in your home and stepping up and leading your children because statistics show that when fathers are in the home and, homes and they lead and they do those kind of things and they, they, they spiritually take care of their, their families, the success of the children goes through the roof statistically versus when a father's not there and in part of their life. And listen, there's no condemnation. You could be a dad. It's like, I wasn't there for my kids. Well, believe God to, to resurrect and to, to restore things that were lost. There's, there's no reason and no room for condemnation with any of this. And I'm just telling you, that's the things that are going on. And I believe that we have to change this. We have to change this in our life and in our generation if we're going to see things change moving forward. But the root of all of this, here's what I'm getting to, the root of all of this is knowing the love of the Father for you. Knowing God's love for me, getting a hold of the fact that God loves me, just, he just loves me. That changed everything, and that's actually what's caused me. I'm not a perfect husband or a perfect father, but I am a good dad, and I am a, a good husband. And what's caused me to be able to do that, I mean, I had a good home that I grew up in, and I'm thankful for that, but ultimately it was the love of God that changed that. I knew this man growing up, and he was kind of a, 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 <clears throat> a friend of the family. He was a friend of the family, and he was, he was an older guy. And... Um, I remember hearing him one time sit around our kitchen table and, and we, we had a lot of, our family was really close and we always pulled people in and ministered to other people, ministered to families. And I remember this one guy and I'll never forget his words. He, he had been born again. He got saved, gave his heart to the Lord. He's like, you know, I need, I need to go to heaven. And so it actually, he, he won, I would say probably maybe even into the thousands of people to the Lord. I mean, this guy, he just had a passion to win souls, but I'll never forget. He was sitting at, it was he and my dad and myself were sitting at our kitchen table and I was in my teenage years. And he said, that whole love of God thing, God as a father, he said, I never got that. He said, I, I just don't get that. And you know that he had, at the same time that he would go into bars, <clears throat> He had a bar ministry where he would go in and he would sit and talk to people and he'd lead them to the Lord, but he would walk out drunk at the same time. It was really very unique. Not particularly a great bar ministry, but he would get people saved. But then he was so wounded, hurt, broken, messed up on the inside that he couldn't even figure out how to function in his own life. And not long ago, that man being in his in his mid-70s, passed away. And to my knowledge, he never got a hold of the love of God. He knew that Jesus was his Savior, but he did not know God as Father. And to me, that's one of the saddest things that, that people can ever do. And the church is, honestly, the church is filled with people that don't know God as Father. The only reason you can you can love properly is because you know love. It says that, that we love him because he first loved us. 
And it's not just the fact that he loved us first, but it's that we have a working revelation of the fact that God loves us. You know, the Bible is so so uh, pointed towards, to me, what's most important. And there's multiple pictures of the church. And if you read in the book of Ephesians, and I'm really super passionate about this. You read in the book of Ephesians, there's like seven pictures of the church. The church is, it's in an army, you can help me if I miss some of them, but it's, it's an army uh, for the bride of Christ. Uh, it's, there's, a gover- there's a church government. I've got three out of the seven. Uh, we're his workmanship. There's all these different pictures. But one thing that stands out to me very strongly is that we are the family of God. We're also the body. There's another one, but we're the family of God. And you know that family is what's supposed to come first? You know, how I, you know how I know this? It's because when we are born into this world physically, when we're born into this world, you're not born into an army. Now, I've met some parents that they think their kids are soldiers, and, and there's a revelation that's there in families and in the churches, and there's times when I'll say, boys, let's go. Let's get this mess cleaned up. Let's move it. And I'm not always the most, you know, the most polite when I'm doing that. And I've had to learn to be well-rounded and maybe a little bit nicer in giving instructions. But there's, you can understand, when dad speaks, you just go, yes, sir, let's do it. Let's move on. That doesn't depict or shouldn't pull away from the fact that they were and they came into this world as my sons first. And when you and I came in to the body of Christ, into the family of God. We came in as sons and daughters first. And I think that this is missed. And the reason we know we come in as that first is because in order to come in, you either have to be born or you have to be adopted. If you are going to come into a family where there is a, and let's say it right, there is a mother and a father. There's not two moms or two dads or whatever this crazy world we're living in. But I have compassion for those people. But anyways, let's just say it straight, right? Man and a woman, that's the ideal family, how God set it up. And so you either have to be adopted into that family or you have to be born into that family in order to be part of the family. But you know that in the kingdom of God, in God's family, it works the exact same way. But the deal is, is that spiritually, we have both dynamics at work. We are both born into the family and we are adopted into the family. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, things in the spirit just can work like that. They can supersede just how things work in the natural. But, you know, in the natural, if you are born of somebody, then you have their blood running through your veins. You're of the same blood. And there's not anything you can ever do to change that. And it's funny, it's like when you're, when you're young, it's like people say, you look just like your dad. And it's like, oh, God, I do not. And then when you get a little bit older, it's like, eh, you're right. I look just like my dad. <laughs> say things like him or talk like him or your mom or whatever. See, there's things you just can't change. And, you know, when you are adopted into a family, anybody ever been adopted? Maybe you wouldn't want to show your hand, but you would. So there's somebody that adopted in here. It's awesome. I love adoption. Adoption is awesome. And there are things you can't change about adoption legally. When you adopt somebody, 
And there are, there are even adult adoptions to where people don't have children and they want to leave an inheritance and different things. So they literally will legally adopt. And adoption is more than just, I want to bless you. It's I'm bringing you in. And legally, this is true. That when you, bring, when you adopt somebody in, you cannot cut them out of your will. So, for example, we have four boys. If we were to adopt another child and then we leave our inheritance, for no reason could we say, well, we're just going to leave the inheritance to the four biological kids and not to the one we adopted. We legally would have to also, we could actually cut the biological kids out, but not the adopted one. Isn't that interesting? The kingdom of God is everything I just explained, but with all the good stuff, no bad stuff, and on steroids, if I could say it. You have gods. You were born into the kingdom. You were born into a family. Let's say it right. You were born into a family with a father who loves you completely, unconditional. And you have God's blood. You have God's DNA running through your veins. And there is nothing you can do to change that. So good is the word. That is so good. But you know also what's true is that you were adopted into the family of God. He adopted you, which means this. And, and everybody can relate to this. We were broken, rotten, stinking sinners, right? You know, actually, we, we were born that way. We sin because we were sinners. You don't become a sinner because you sin. And when Jesus died to pay the price, yes, it was for individual actions, but it was for the nature that we once had. And when we get born again, we get a new nature. So at the same time we get born again, we get born into the family of God, we also get adopted. And you know what that means? It's like, instead of like a child adoption, it's like an adult adoption. And, they, and every state has laws for legal adult adoption. And it was like, here we are as adults, if you will, even if you got saved when you were a kid, you still were at a point to where you were making a decision but at the same time, unbeknownst to us, really how full it was, God was choosing us. He was making a decision to choose us. And the way it works is that all of the benefits that the kingdom, that the family of God has to offer came to us because he chose to adopt us. So it's kind of like Jesus chose us, but we have to choose him. But once we choose him, he chooses us. It's not exactly like it is on earth, but it's similar. And when he chose to adopt us, every single benefit that comes from the throne of God, from our daddy, belongs to us. And the motivation for all of it is love. It's because he just loves us as a father would, as a good father would his children. And no matter how good your father is or was or how bad he is or was, there is no comparison to how God really is. There's no natural comparison to how good and powerful and loving our Heavenly Father really is towards us. He's the best dad of all time. This is the simplest message you'll probably ever hear in your life. I had 17 different things, not really, but probably three different things 
that I very strongly could have ministered and taught, but the Lord said, I just want you to talk to him about the fact that they're my kids. And I want to show you this in John. If we can pull John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I have five minutes and I will stick to what I told you. You watch, you wait and see. John chapter 14. And I want to look here in verse 16. And there's so much I could say if I even went back. As a matter of fact, let's go and look at verse 15 and then we'll work our way down to verse 18 very quickly. And I want to point something out here in verse 15. And this is part of John's language, not only in this chapter, but how he communicates. And if you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, is the same author. It's the Apostle John. And it says in John chapter 14 and verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And you need to take that fully in context. And I really believe that a large percentage of people have what I call spiritual dyslexia. And if you read a verse like that and you take it out of context and don't understand it in its fullness, you could read it and say, well, if I really love God, I'll keep his commandments. But dyslexia is this. It's like you see the word God and it's spelled G-O-D. But when someone with dyslexia reads it, they see it backwards and they would see D-O-G. How many of y'all know there's a big difference between God and a dog? And so oftentimes people with spiritual dyslexia, they will read things and they'll see things, and the way they see God is completely backwards. And what the Lord reveals to us from his word, and just the cross alone reveals that he made the decision to love us when we didn't even have a clue how to love him. He loved us first. And so if you go on and read, like in 1 John, he says, he makes this statement. He says, if you, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And someone who's, who's totally got a revelation and has been engulfed with the love of God could read that and say, because I love God, I'll keep his commandments. Versus someone with spiritual dyslexia would read it and say, if I'm really going to love God, I got to keep his commandments. The only reason they would think that is because they don't realize that God loved them first before they even had an opportunity to keep one commandment. Our performance when it comes to the love of God is thrown out the window, thrown into the fire, set on fire, burnt to ashes, put into a box, sealed watertight, and a box that will last forever, had chains wrapped around it, and millstones, and thrown into the deepest part of the ocean. That's where your performance is in compared to the love that God has for you. It literally makes no difference how well you perform in terms of whether God's going to love you or not. And the more we know God's love, the better we'll perform. I found something out. When I quit trying to earn God's love for me, but just realized, I'm your kid. You love me. I started performing a lot better. Because then I'd look at myself and I would say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk that way. I don't want to look at that. That's not what a son of the king does. I live in a kingdom that's so awesome, so powerful, and I'm part of a family where dad, my dad is Father God Almighty. Why in the world would I want to live like that? Your thinking starts to change because it's coming through a filter of love instead of your performance trying to get God to love you. You can't, you can't do enough stuff to get God to love you anymore. You can't do enough bad stuff 
for God to love you any less. You want to slap religion in the face? There's a slap in the face to religion. You cannot do enough bad stuff for God to love you any less. You realize that the prodigal son and the father and that story in Luke chapter 15, I have one minute and I haven't read the verse. You realize that that story is talking about God in us and every one of us in, on some level are prodigals. On some level we're prodigals or have been prodigals. And you know that the father never stopped loving the son. The son stopped loving the father, but the father never stopped loving the son. He went and did all of the stuff that he did, all of the prodigal living, right? And wasted all of his inheritance. And just when you think you've blown it enough and you're like, God, I guess I, guess I could come back and just, I'll just be a worm in heaven. Just let me in. He says, no, 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 no. No way. You are my child. Let's kill the fatted calf. Let's put a ring on your finger and a robe on your back. Why? Because you perform so well? No, because of the relationship that you have with me. You were born into my family, and you were adopted into my family, which means you have the same blood running through your veins, and the inheritance belongs to you. Totally unproportionate or improportionate to your performance. Look at this. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you have known him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And listen to this. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The orphan spirit that runs through the earth stops when you come into the kingdom of God. But it stops working against you when you get a revelation of the fact that you were adopted by God. You are loved by him. You are accepted by him. You were brought in with him totally in proportionate to anything that you could ever do, say, think, believe, ask. And now some people say, well, you're just, you're, you're cheapening grace or whatever. No. Yeah, you still got to be saved. You still got to be born again. You have to make the decision to receive the Lord. But even for people, get this, even for people that don't receive the Lord, God's love for them is no less than it is for the people that do receive him. Do you know that God loved Hitler just as much as, as he does you? I can't even comprehend that in my natural mind, but it's true. For God so loved the whole world that he gave Jesus. The whole world. That includes you. And when you come into relationship with him, that's where the love and the favor and the blessing and the anointing and the power and the victory starts to work in your life. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.